Well, this month we're focusing on the subject of our gratitude to God. And last time we rejoiced in the new song that I can sing every day to God as I reflect on the past, the present, and the future tenses of my gratitude to God. And a special thank you to uh, the hundreds and hundreds of you who responded to the encouragement to write a one-sentence psalm of gratitude to God and then shared it with me on the city or with your community groups. It was a beautiful overflow of our corporate gratitude to God. And today, we're going to go deeper. We're going to go deeper into what God teaches about gratitude. One of the major threads of the Old Testament is the theme of God teaching His people how to be grateful. Uh, From Genesis, the first book of the Bible, to uh, Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament, God is a dad who step by step teaches his kids how to say thanks to him. This story begins in the first pages of the Bible. Adam and Eve have rebelled against God and they've lost paradise in the process. Now, Adam lives in the garden, uh, outside of the Garden of Eden with his two grown sons, Cain and Abel. And you might want to turn to Genesis chapter 4 because this is what it says about uh, these two brothers. Genesis 4 verse 2. Now Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. And then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Now, there are a bunch of details to notice in this interaction. To start with, we notice that we're coming in the middle of an ongoing conversation between God and his kids. We drop into the middle where God is saying to Cain, uh, Cain, you know that when you do right, uh, your sacrifice is accepted. We've been over this before. We come in the middle of the story. Uh, And a story that began apparently years earlier when uh, God taught Cain and Abel uh, why it was important for them to show their gratitude by giving back to God and how they should do it, how they should proceed uh, with a thank offering. And this is the first chapter in God's instructions to me on how to say thanks to him as one of his kids. Through Cain and Abel, I understand that God teaches his kids to say thanks by giving back to God. Apparently, God said to Cain and Abel, hey, I want you to learn how to be grateful for what I give you. And so here's what I want you to do. On a regular basis, I would like to ask you to give back to me a best portion of what I have given to you. So Abel, you work with animals, uh, so bring me back the best portion of your flock. And so that's what Abel did. He brought back the best. Uh, That's what's reflected in those words, fat portions or uh, firstborn, indicating that Abel brought his very best as a way to say thanks 
to God. And then there's Cain. God said, Cain, uh, your brother's in the meat department. I know you work in the produce aisle, so bring me a portion of your best harvest. And apparently, this is where Cain failed. Uh, Cain decided to keep the best for himself and gave leftovers to God. That doesn't work with God. Uh, God didn't accept Cain's offering because Cain was missing the whole point by Honoring God uh, with leftovers, he was missing the whole heart and spirit of gratitude to God. So here, in the third page of the Bible, uh, we have this contrast between Abel, who says, God, how can I give thanks? How can I say thanks to you? And he brings his best to God. And then we have Cain, uh, who is... Who, who knows what God is asking for, but he decides to play games and cut corners and displays a lack of gratitude in the process. And this sets up a contrast that extends through the entire uh, scripture account and divides God's children into two groups. Every one of God's kids either adopts an Abel attitude or a Cain attitude toward God. So let's focus a little bit more on uh, Cain and Abel and go deeper into the lessons that God is teaching me about expressing gratitude by giving back. Uh, by teaching me to give thanks, by giving back to Him, God is teaching me that everything I have comes from Him. Do you see this? Do you see how, how God calls Cain and Abel to give their best back to Him? And in the process, He's teaching them that everything that they have is a gift that has been given to them from God. That they are not owners, they are receivers and that they are completely dependent on the goodness of God. Believing this truth that everything I have comes from God is absolutely foundational to gratitude to God. If, if I will never grow in gratitude unless I adopt this attitude that my paycheck is 100% a gift from God. This is so foundational to gratitude that I need to ask you if you believe it. Uh, Cain didn't believe it. Uh, maybe you don't either. Uh, but maybe that explains why you're reluctant to give back to God. Because to the degree I assume that my paycheck, my money, my resources comes from me and my hard work, to that degree I will be reluctant to give back to God with gratitude. But the Bible says... Think about it, will you? Just think about it. Think about how your physical and mental ability to earn anything is God's to either give or not give to you. Think about how the opportunity to earn anything in your life is within God's power to give to you or not give to you. Think about how every beat of your heart is a gift and a reminder that you are totally dependent upon God's goodness. And think about how you either end up acknowledging this truth, that everything comes from God, and that you are humbly dependent upon Him. You either come to that truth the easy way or the hard way. I heard recently about uh, an old lady uh, who had a brand new black Mercedes. 
Mercedes-Benz, and she's circling around a, a superstore uh, parking lot. And uh, she had her blinker on, waiting for uh, an exiting car to pull out of the last parking space in the uh, parking lot. When out of nowhere comes this young guy in a snappy uh, sports car, pulls around her and into that parking spot while she's still sitting there with her blinker going. And then while this uh, old lady is still uh, there waiting, uh, the young guy bounds out of his little sports car and uh, on his way to the superstore goes by yelling, that's what you can do when you're young and quick. And as the guy started off... uh, the lady puts her uh, Mercedes in drive and uh, guns and uh, rams right into his sports car. And then she backs up and then rams again into his sports car. She does it two more times until his little sports car is squashed like a bug. And then the guy comes running back saying, Stop! Stop! Are you crazy? What are you doing, lady? And the lady opens, uh, rolls down the window and says, That's what you can do when you're old and rich. (laughs) You know, sometimes uh, I think we take the attitude of that little young guy in the little sports car. uh, That we're invincible. You know, that everything I have, I get what I want. And I don't need to be grateful. I mean, I'm a self-made man. I think I'm invisible. I'm invincible. Until... A black Mercedes comes along and proves how it can all be taken away in a split second. Sometimes the black Mercedes is a little cell in my body that takes away my health. Sometimes the black Mercedes is a business reversal and I lose my job. Some people never learn to be grateful to God for what they have until they lose it. I say, don't wait that long. Some people acknowledge that God is the giver of everything the easy way, and some people don't get it until they learn the hard way. Choose the easy way. Be grateful to God for what you have now. This is the grateful attitude that God was training Cain and Abel in through this thank offering process, and that's what God wants to teach me, which leads to... Another lesson that comes out of Cain and Abel's giving back to God. God is teaching me that giving back is all about growing a grateful heart within me, an attitude within me. Uh, What God taught Cain and Abel about uh, giving back through an offering, God was teaching to develop a heart attitude within his kids. We know that it was all about developing a heart attitude because God had absolutely no need for the gift. God had absolutely no need for Abel's animal parts or Cain's vegetables. It's not like God had a yen for steak and salad. No. God's sole purpose was to teach them through giving back so that they could develop a grateful heart. Nothing's changed. God is still calling His kids like you and me to give back to Him as a way to grow in us hearts of gratitude. 
But this is where some of us want to get fuzzy and vague. Uh, We want to say, see, it's just a thought that counts. God doesn't care whether I give or don't give. He doesn't care whether I give my best or or leftovers. God doesn't care. God just cares about my heart. He knows how thankful I am. Well, God's interaction with Cain proves that God refuses to play that mind game. God is teaching me that the level of my heart gratitude is revealed in the specific, tangible, and measurable aspects of giving back. By teaching them to give back a material offering, God was teaching Cain and Abel how their intangible heart attitudes are revealed through the tangible aspects of giving back to him. Cain wanted to say, God, uh, it doesn't matter what I give, whether I give a second best. You know my heart. God says, Cain, that's just it. That's just it. Your invisible heart attitude is revealed by your visible offering. So bring it and bring it all. Bring your best. Which leads us to the next chapter now of God's instruction about how to say thanks to him. This next chapter moves beyond Cain and Abel to Mount Sinai, to Moses and the prophets, where God teaches his kids to say thanks by giving back to God a tithe of their income. What does a tithe mean? It's a biblical word that means a tenth. 10%. And it refers to God's explicit instructions to his people to give 10% of their income back to him as an expression of their gratitude. Uh, God wrote these instructions uh, with his finger on stone. Uh, And then gave those instructions to Moses to bring back to his people uh, that whatever they received... They were to give 10% in that, uh, of that income back to God. And God made this tithing request crystal clear so that, that his kids would know exactly how to say thanks to him. But once again, we see how God's kids fell into two different categories. Some took the able attitude and said, God, how can I say thanks? And they brought their tithe uh, with gratitude to God. And then some uh, responded like with a Cain attitude and rationalized how they could give less or cut corners or give leftovers to God. And just like God spoke sternly to Cain, God says in Malachi chapter 3, Will a mere mortal rob God, yet you rob me? And you ask, how are we robbing you, God? In tithes and offerings. You're under a curse because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. I, the Lord, do not change. And in that context of tithing, God says in verse 6, I, the Lord, do not change. Change, And I think these words go a long way to answering that question that comes up a lot. And that is, does tithing apply to New Testament Christ followers? God says he doesn't change his mind when it comes to this tithing topic. Not surprisingly, Jesus held up the practice of tithing in Matthew chapter 23 as kind of a baseline of obedience for his followers. Not surprisingly, for 2,000 years, Bible teaching churches have upheld the practice of giving a tithe of, of income to God's work in the church. And not surprisingly, this is what we teach here at Black Rock. And this is what I practice and what I teach my kids. I have been a pastor here 
for over 25 years. But I have been tithing to this church for over 30 years. I started attending this church as a teenager. And I had a part-time job at the Trumbull Mall. And I would come every Sunday to church with my tithe, 10% of what I earned on my part-time job. Why? Because this is my church. And I believe that the vitality of my relationship with God depends upon my not only believing that everything I have comes from God, but actually acting like I really believe that's true. And when I ask God, God, how can I say thanks to you for all that you give me and all the ways you rescue me and all the ways you bless me? The answer that comes back to me over and over again in Scripture is God's voice saying, if you want to say thanks, then tithe. I, I, the Lord, do not change. Growing in gratitude is learning to thank God the way God wants to be thanked. God wants me to write my one-sentence psalm of verbal praise to God. But God also wants me to write my one-sentence check. And I, I have to believe that my one-sentence psalm doesn't mean very much if God thinks that I'm robbing Him. Parents, if you have young kids, you know, you need to... Help them grow as Christ followers by teaching them, giving them an allowance, and then teaching them to give at least 10% of their allowance back to God and then model it yourself. If you are a student and you've got a part-time job at the Trumbull Mall or wherever it is, whether your parents taught you this way or not, you know the right thing. And so show your gratitude to God in the way that God has instructed. Don't wait. Now, There are maybe one or two people here who have heard me say all this before and you don't give back and you don't have any intention of giving back to God. You have permission to go back to sleep. But uh, if you are one of those people who says, you know, I am a follower of Jesus and I just want to grow and I sense that this is important to God, so I want to learn how to be a tither. Well, if that's you, listen. Listen carefully because I'm about to give you the secret, the secret to tithing. And it actually happens also to be the next chapter in God's gratitude training where God teaches his kids to say thanks by giving back to God first. Not only does God teach me to give thanks by giving back a tithe, God teaches me to give back to him first. And this is the secret to actually Not just being a talker about tithing, but actually becoming a tither. Referring to giving back a tithe, God says in Proverbs chapter 3, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled with overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. God teaches this principle of first fruits over and over again in Scripture because God knows that this is the only way that I will grow in the gratitude of giving back to Him. Now let me show you how this is true. Let me show you with a simple comparison between the default mindset on money and God's gratitude mindset on money. Here's the default mindset on money. First, I spend what I want. Second, I save what I can. And then third, give 
out of what is left over. This is the default mode of thinking, which means that if, if, if you don't decide otherwise, this is how you will approach money, like everybody else in our culture. First, I spend what I want, and if after I spend on all my desires, there's some left over, I can save, and then if there's anything left over, I can give out of that. Guess what? There's never anything left to give after I spend and I save. I will never grow in gratitude in this default mode. To grow in gratitude, I must choose God's gratitude mindset on money, which is flipping this default mode upside down. What does it look like? The gratitude mindset on money says, first, I give God what He wants. Second, I save what I can. And third, I spend what's left over. If I follow Jesus, this is the life that God wants me to live. It's a better way to live. The spend, save, give model ends up in all kinds of heartache. But the give, save, spend model ends up developing in me all good things, including a gratitude mindset. Now, maybe I can't give a tithe at the start uh, right away to do it first, but I can I can do this. What I can do is I can decide to take a percentage, no matter how small it is, and decide to give it to God first. Maybe I can't, you know, maybe, maybe I have to raise it over time, a percentage uh, at a, a year or something like that. But this is what God is teaching about how to say thanks to Him. God says, Here's how I want you to say thanks. Give back to me. And you may ask how much. Give back to me a tithe. You may ask when. I say give back to me first. And giving back here at BlackRock is not complicated. Now, if you might take out that insert that's in your uh, bulletin, look it over, would you? And if you have not yet decided how you are going to give, if you're a, a regular attender here at BlackRock, look it over and then decide to be an able Growing in gratitude by giving back to God. And guess what? As you are faithful in giving back, God promises to bless you. This is God's promise in Malachi chapter 3. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord God Almighty. See if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough for you to store it. So what are these blessings that God loves to pour out on people with this able attitude? The blessings are unlimited. They're as unlimited as God himself. God can bless materially or physically or uh, interpersonally. But, of course, most of all, God wants to bless spiritually. God blesses with contentment, with an eternal impact. God blesses with a closer relationship with Jesus. Now, we started today with a contrast between two kids named Cain and Abel. Let me conclude with another story. It's not a biblical story about a father and two kids. Uh, there once was a kind and generous man uh, who lived alone with his uh, two children. Uh, these two children were like 12, 13, 14, which means that they were not old enough to earn money, but they were certainly old enough to, to be able to get presents for their dad. Uh, 
But as a widower, there was no way really for uh, them to get uh, the gift money that they would need to uh, get their dad a Christmas present or a birthday present or a Father's Day present. So as a solution, this kind dad gave his children a generous allowance every week and said, "Uh, kids, uh, here's money for you to use as you wish, but I think you're going to find here more than enough money to also buy some gifts. And uh, uh, well, this is one way that You could show your love and uh, feelings for me just by spending a little bit of the money uh, with me in mind. And with these instructions, one of the two children took the allowance and said, "This, my dad is so great. And so he put aside a a part of it uh, so that he had money to buy his dad a Christmas present and a Father's Day present and a birthday present. But more than that, he loved just finding ways to use the money with his dad in mind. But then there was the other child, and the other child said, if my dad needs something, he can get it himself. I mean, he's got lots of money. Me, I need every penny. This is, this is not much of an allowance that I get. I need to spend it all on myself. And with this attitude, birthday, Christmas, his dad's uh, Father's Day came and gone. He didn't get anything. Zip. Zero. The father didn't say anything, but he just felt kind of wounded by this child who obviously loved the money more than the one who was giving the money. That's the story. Now, with this story in mind, let me ask you a few questions. Uh, The first question being, if you were that dad uh, who explained to your kids how you could use an allowance to show love and gratitude to you, if you were that father, what conclusions would you come to about the kid who was even more generous to you than you asked for? Wouldn't you smile? And when you say, <laughs> uh, the way this kid handles allowances, uh, well, it just makes me happy. And if you were that father, wouldn't you determine in your heart to bless that child? Wouldn't you personally see to it that that kid's generosity would never work against him? I mean, wouldn't you make sure that that, that child had money so that that money could be spent with your heart in mind? And then what about the other kid? Uh, after you explain how you can use this allowance to demonstrate love and gratitude to you, and this kid chooses to not even give you the minimum that you asked for, when this kid spends everything on himself, what conclusions would you draw about this kid? Of course you would still love this kid. You would love this kid crazy because this is your child. But wouldn't you also say, The way this kid handles his allowance really says something about his heart. And this has got to change. Because I want my child to reflect who I am. And this is not me. And it's not good for my child. I love my kid way too much to let it stay this way. Which brings now to a final question. In this parable of the father and two kids, which kid are you?